Welcome to Annasbrook Church. We hope this message from our lead pastor, Graham Hislop, empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at annasbrook.co.nz for a service near you. Hey, uh, I want to share a message today, which is really important. I just want to mention that we... um, it's actually awesome to have Ed and Vic here, the uh, youth pastors of Arise Church here, and uh, awesome people. Actually, Ed was a Nelsonian, and probably still at heart, once a Nelsonian, always a Nelsonian. It's great to have you guys here uh, this morning. I want to um, share a message. You know, we want to we teach the full counsel of God. So I just want to give a trigger warning this morning. If at any point you are triggered during this message, I'm going to ask you to do a couple of things with that. One is I want to write, you to write down on your phone or in notes what you are being triggered about as we're talking through this and try, if you can, to convert it into a question and then take the question, so I'm being really serious, take the question and I want you to either come to us or um, to someone in your connect group or someone that is mature, uh, maybe not so much Google, but someone who you know follows Christ because I want to speak about Israel and the future of the world. On Saturday, the, <laughs> mumblings. <laughs> On Saturday, the seventh of October, just one week ago, Hamas terrorists invaded the nation of Israel and slaughtered thirteen hundred people, abducting another hundred to use as bargaining and human shields. This includes young children. There's some eight-year-olds. There was a seven-month-old that was kidnapped and is being used in video footage. Um, even a Holocaust survivor. Can you believe that? I mean, it's quite unbelievable. They um, crashed the border across the Gaza Strip. And um, this sparked a strong and aggressive response from Israel towards um, Hamas, which converged on Gaza. Um, And it has, obviously, targeting Hamas radicals, has actually involved civilians, children, innocent parties. Um, There's two key concerns regarding these events. Number one is the humanitarian impact, innocent lives, just like we mourned 9-11, just like we mourned terrorist attacks in our own nation, uh, floods, whatever else goes on, um, innocent lives, children, elderly, babies, everyday people are being killed and maimed. Um, Watching these events should turn your stomach. Um, They should grieve us. And this is happening in our world. If it was your family, your community, your neighborhood, you would be devastated. Your world would be currently not about what shall I watch on Netflix. Everything would be different. Um, This did, however, start with the slaughter of 1,300 people. They were not all soldiers, the people that were attacked. Hamas has ruled the Gaza Strip since 2007. Um, They are actually the political party of Palestine. So you need to understand that. They are not your normal political party based on what we've experienced for the last six weeks and the last 24 hours. They have stated in their agenda, their agenda written and spoken is to wipe out every Jew on the face of the earth. So that is a written um, MO. Um, This conflict has been going on though for decades. Decades. Remember um, Yasser Arafat as a child, you know, the part he played in the Middle East and all the things that would go on and Um, Israel had the right to respond as a nation, a sovereign nation. And I would say, this may confuse you, but I would say 
um, any other nation would have the right to respond if Israel went in and did that. Um, if you think that this is a simple issue, you are wrong. And if you think it's just a matter of people trying to land grab, you are also wrong. Um, and given the context of what's going on, um, I think that you'll find that the ongoing response, it's not going to be limited to a battlefield, um, and that is really difficult to comprehend. And I think even biblically to, to understand that response it's probably not something that we would all agree with. So that's the first concern, a humanitarian concern. The second concern is the biblical significance of Israel. And so um, you'll hear on this issue often two polar opposites, a Zionist response and sort of like it doesn't matter at all response. If you Google Israel, it will say that Israel was formed in 1948 and this is true concerning the UN, or what was then prior the League of Nations. UN was called the League of Nations. And they had a mandate in 1917 to give Israel actual status as a nation. But if you read Scripture, it is very clear Israel is much, much older than 1948. Archaeologists see the evidence of civilization at least 3,000 years ago. Abraham lived 2,000 years before Jesus, who lived 2,000 years ago. Isaiah 51 verse 2 says, Yes, think about Abraham, your ancestor. This was written to the nation of Israel. And by the way, most of the Old Testament was written to the Isra uh, nation of Israel. And it may be a slightly different nation to what you see now as far as what is formed, but it is um, still the same roots. Abraham was only one man when God called him. But when I blessed him, the Lord said, he became a great nation. Genesis 12, 2 says, I will make you, Abraham, directly speaking to him, into a great nation. I will bless you, I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. So if you are taking notes, um, you can write down your triggers, but this is good to write down as well. Abraham was and is the nation of Israel. You have to be very, very clear. that God didn't create Israel out of like nothing, Abraham was everything that God said to Abraham in Genesis 12, this is what you're going to be. So that's very key and very important. And I would like to say too that Israel was born in Abraham, and particularly God's friendship with Abraham. So God's feelings towards the nation of Israel is actually his feelings towards Abraham and the covenant he made with him to bless him. So you have to really kind of have a very broad view of some of the things that do go on. Oddly, through its entire journey, Israel has had fierce opposition and ruthless enemies. I'm going to read to you Psalm 83. This is ancient writings. You could put it right in this week. O God, an Israelite wrote this. O God, do not be silent. Do not be deaf. Do not be quiet, O God. Don't you hear the uproar of your enemies? Don't you see that the arrogant, your arrogant enemies are rising up? They devise crafty, crafty schemes against your people. They conspire against your precious ones. Come, they say, let us wipe out Israel as a nation. We will destroy the very memory of, his, of its existence. <laughs> that, that psalm is as old, older than anything in our nation's history, by a millennia or two or three. The rest of psalms, that psalm is a cry for God to defend them, to turn their enemies into dust. And to those who do not like war, I tend to agree with you. I prefer boating on the Abel Tasman. 
Although the Kiteri boat ramp is a little bit like a war zone at times, I will say that. Not to belittle what's happened this last week. But not liking war sometimes isn't good enough. When someone threatens to obliterate you, even make gas chambers to do it in, if Churchill had not responded, you need to know our nation's flag would not be the flag it currently is. Why has this been the case? Why has there always been friction with Israel? The answer is complex and also very straightforward. The complex part is the geopolitical dynamics. Put it this way. New Zealand is surrounded by water. Israel has water on one side. On all the other sides, it has Syria, Lebanon, Egypt, Jordan, Iraq, and Iran all around its sides and top. That's what surrounds Israel. Okay, what's the straightforward part then? That's the geopolitical, like, confusing parts. Well, that's the spiritual dynamic. They aren't just hated because of their culture, their food, their fine arts, or sport. They are hated because anyone who hates God hates Israel. (laughs) I mean, if you want real simple terms, they do not, the enemies of Israel or the enemies of God do not worship Yahweh, the God of Israel. That's the simplistic answer. Okay, why is it relevant to us? We've, we've won this morning the quarters. Our hope is next weekend, surely. Argentina. Why, I mean, why is it relevant? We're not Israel. And I think that you need to actually understand its relevance, not just because of stuff you might have heard in the 1980s, as I did. I mean, I remember sitting on the front deck of our house and this person came around to, my parents used to have all sorts of people around, um, honestly, waifs and strays and people hard, you know, out, down and outers, and they would just reach out to anyone. They also had Amway salespeople, so it was a, it was a, real, tri, it was a real trifecta. Um, <laughs> um, and I remember this one guy when I was nine years old, I was sitting on the deck, and uh, he said to me, you know, Jesus is returning soon. I was all alone with him, and I said, oh, really? And he said, yes, yes, it's um, on Tuesday, the 20th of December, the year 2000. And I thought, that is so specific. And uh, anyway, I didn't realize this man also knew the delivery date of his next joint of marijuana. But anyway, <laughs> the, rele- <laughs> the relevancy, the relevancy of Israel, let's go, to, let's go to someone who really has authority on issues, okay? Just like any other issue in your life, whether it's money or work or health or marriage or relationships or Anything, anything at all. Let's go to Jesus. I don't want to talk about Barry Smith. I don't want to talk about this website and that website. I don't want to, I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about Jesus because we are a Jesus-centered church. It's all about him. Okay, let's go to it. Jesus in Luke 21. One day people were standing around and talking about the temple, remarking how beautiful it was, the splendor of its stonework and memorial gifts. Jesus said, you know, all this you're admiring so much, the time is coming where every stone in that building will end up in a heap of rubble. The disciples particularly asked him, teacher, when is this going to happen? What clue will we get that's going to take place? Listen carefully, everyone. He said, watch out for doomsday deceivers. Many leaders, not just people. 
are going to show up with forged identities, in other words, fake identities, claiming, I am the one, or even claiming the end is near. Don't fall for any of that. When you hear of wars and uprisings, very important, keep your head and do not panic. That's a command from Jesus. That is not a devotional I wrote. That's, not from, that's from the lips of our Savior. This is routine history and, and no sign of the end. In other words, he said, he, I'm glad he said it because we've seen it throughout history, throughout World War II. I mean, even the agenda of World War I, but we've seen it. Verse 10, he went on, nation will fight against nation, ruler against ruler, and over and over. Huge earthquakes will occur in various places. There's going to be famines, and I'd like to add in here what the NIV says because this message translation um, actually neglects to, but it also says, and there will be pestilences. And um, COVID would be known as a pestilence virus, so an airborne uh, virus. Goes on to say, you will think at times the very sky is falling in. Before any of this happens, they'll arrest you. Now, he's speaking directly to the disciples now. They'll arrest you, hunt you down, drag you before the court in jail. It's going to go from bad to worse, dog eat dog. Everyone at your throat because of you, because you carry my name. That's the why. That's the spiritual dynamic. You'll end up on the witness stand, called to testify. Make sure you make your mind up right now not to worry about it. I'll give you the words and the wisdom that will reduce all of your accusers to stammers and stutters. In other words, he's going to give you power at the right time to know what to say, um, and, it, and he, he's going to help you. Verse 16. You'll be turned in by parents, brothers, relatives, and friends. Now, the disciples were. Some of the disciples were literally cut off from their very family. So this is good exegesis right now. Exegesis is called the study of word, the word, and that's knowing who wrote it, to whom, and what culture, for what purpose. That's exegesis. Good exegesis knows that actually took place. That happened to these people. There's no telling who will hate you because of me. Even so, every detail of your body and soul, even the hairs on your head, it's in my care. Nothing of you will be lost. Staying with it, that's what's required. Stay with it to the very end. You won't be sorry. You're going to be saved. Now, this is what I want you to notice. This is Jesus. When you see soldiers camped all around Jerusalem, then you will know she's about to be devastated. If you're living in Judea at the time, run for the hills. If you're in a city, get out quickly. If you're in the fields, go home to get your coat. This is the day of reckoning, the day of reckoning. Everything written about it will come to a head. Pregnant and nursing mothers will have it especially hard. Incredible misery. Torrential rage. People dropping like flies. People dragged off to prisons. Now, just a bit of Bible study. Some people would see this as the tribulation, a, a period of time where great pressure and great stress comes upon the earth. There are other Bible um, scholars who suggest that it's God's plan to save his people from that tribulation. There's a bit of debate about that and a bit of debate on the other side of it. But I would like to stay focused on this part today. You will see that... Um, Jerusalem under the boot of barbarians until the nations finish what was given them to do. So it seems like there's a big plan at play. It will seem like all hell is broken loose. Sun, moon, stars, earth, sea, and uproar. Everyone all over the world in a panic. The wind knocked out of them by the threat of doom. The powers that will be quaking. And then, then, you're going to see him. This guy here had a dream about him. Last week? Week before. Week before that. 
a few days ago. I, I, don't, I don't. I have a ratio of numbers. He was coming back from the gym in the dream, and we came outside of our house, and we met you outside of the house, and we look up, and who's what's coming down on the clouds? The Lord Jesus with angels. You need to know what's interesting is that as a family, we are not a Barry Smith era family where we've been going on and on and on about this. But and you don't dream, right? You're like your mum. You know, I would say that I'm a dream come true for her, but she didn't dream. <laughs> and then they'll see the Son of Man welcomed in in grand style. It's going to be a glorious welcome when all this starts to happen. Up on your feet, people of God. Stand tall with your heads high. Help is on the way. Hang on. Help is on its way. He'll be there as fast as he can. Little river band, anyone? No. Then he told him a story. Look at the fig tree, any tree for that matter. When the leaves begin to show, one look tells you that summer's right. Summer, not winter. Summer's right around the corner. Oh. The same here. When you see these things happen, you'll know God's kingdom is about here, people. Don't brush this off. I'm not saying it for some future generation, but for this one too. In other words, that was for every generation. These things will happen. Sky and earth will wear out, but my words will not wear out. So be on your guard. Don't let your sharp edge of expectation get dulled by the parties and drinking and shopping. The people laughing have an issue with shopping. That's okay. Other, <laughs> I'm joking. Otherwise, otherwise, the day is going on. The, go, the day is going to take you by complete surprise spring on you suddenly like a trap. This is why we've got to talk about it today because you cannot be in the place where you're dulled, your spirit's dulled, and you've been taken by surprise. You know, what you're getting today is equipped. Again, you might get triggered, but you are going to get equipped. And you'll come out of the back of today hopeful. Um, pray constantly that you'll have strength, thank you, Lord, and the wits to make it through everything that's coming and up on your feet before the Son of Man, that's our Lord speaking. That's our Lord telling us what's what. Now, I didn't give you, yeah, we'll give him some praise. Come on. Whoa. You notice he doesn't give you the time and date and the uh, exact, uh, you know, geographical. No, because, because it's not about that. Part of what I've read has already taken place. His disciples were disowned. Some of them were killed for their stand. Peter was crucified, and as he was about to, he said, hey, don't you dare crucify me the same way you crucified my Savior. Put me upside down. And he was crucified upside down for his stand and his love for Christ. The temple was destroyed in AD 70. Roman soldiers went in and slaughtered. It's like watching the last week. Roman soldiers went in and slaughtered mothers and pregnant women and unborn babies were ripped out from their wombs and the temple was ripped down in AD 70. That, is, that happened. But there are some things that haven't happened. What? Verse 27, And at that time you'll see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. That hasn't happened. And don't you dare, don't you dare let anyone tell you it has happened and he's hiding out in the Rewalker River <laughs> with a tin of baked beans. My Lord doesn't eat baked beans. Chili beans, maybe. I, 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 you know, full counsel of the Word of God now. You ready? Jesus has promised to return again. 
you know, I, I am excited about that because when I went away, we went, I went to Brentwood to the States in 2017 and um, we went to a conference and then we went and met with some of some friends, Anthony Walton actually and Sarah Walton on, 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 the, sun, on the coast of, of LA and then we were flying down and it was Rebecca's about to turn 40 and I was about to meet my family in Auckland and the whole trip, I was just... I just miss them and miss them and miss them and miss them. I feel like some of you need a new picture of what it means to miss Jesus. We, we knew his presence here this morning. We knew his comfort and his touch. But one of the things even in the believer's heart is that you miss him and you don't even realize it. <laughs> There's going to come a day when you just are like, oh, finally, finally. Finally, and, and the Bible says that anyone who has rejected him or refused to obey the good news, they're going to be judged. And this is really important. And I know it's going to sound weird, but it's really hopeful. Well, how could you dare say that, Graham? Because all the flipping nonsense will be over then. All of it, the powers and the abusers, not just talking about Israel now. All of the confusion, all of the angst, all the depression and anxiety, or every cancerous cell will fold in on itself once and for all. And there will never be another cancerous case in the world. There will be a ne- never another child who is not fed. Another person who is not looked after. You say, oh, I don't believe in hell. I, 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 and there's a lot of people who don't. I believe in hell and I really hope there is a hell. And here is why. Because without it, what the heck's going to contain the devil and his demonic powers? You don't want those things flying everywhere and ruining everything again. You need to know the scripture says hell is created for the devil and demonic entities who rebelled against God. That's it, point blank. But his sinister plan was to involve God's good creation and creatures. Man didn't know. How did it come in a question? Did God really say? And as soon as he was entertained, hoodwinked. Humanity was hoodwinked. And what did God feel? Total sorrow. Total compassion. If God is a sadistic God, then why did he send his son to die a brutally painful death and have all of the weight and the punishment of sin come upon his body if he would save those he hated? Why did God, throughout the scripture, regularly warn us about this? If God is a sadistic God, he wouldn't have sent Jesus and he would not have told you, one day I'm coming to judge the world. He, wh- why is it important that he told us? So you could decide what you wanted to do. So you could decide whether you wanted to be part of that or not. If you want to reject God, God is so gracious and sovereign that he says, up to you. I don't want you to. I know you feel distant. I know you feel far. I know you feel unworthy, but I've done everything that needs to be done to cancel the unworthiness, to cancel the filth, to cancel everything that keeps you. I've done it, God says, just receive it. And it's like, that's it. And now you've been shifted out of the way of judgment, but I'm glad there's a judgment. I'll tell you why. Because without a judgment, there is no justice. And without justice, God is actually an unholy God. And God would not deal with the things that actually need to be done. He's waiting though. (laughs) He's waiting. He's waiting because he wants everyone to come to the saving knowledge and the grace of Jesus Christ. Verse 20, when you see Jerusalem being surrounded by armies, 
you'll know that the desolation is near. Was he referring to AD 70? Probably. Was he, re- was he referring to 1938 to 43? Probably. I mean, they weren't surrounded in the same way, but the Jews. Do we think that the only significant thing is what happens to the nation of Israel? No, every believer who gives their life to Christ is now as Israel unto God. You are now actually part of the Abrahamic blessing. We're going into Bible college stuff right here, eh? But you actually need to know, as soon as you give your life to Christ, you are part of Abraham's blessing. You are part of his family. I, but, but he said, when you see it surrounded by armies, so you can see it's happening. Let me say it like this. You can see something's happening. And I'm not sure, I, 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 I don't know if it's going to happen next week. I don't know if it's all going to go gangbusters. I don't know if it's all going to be a you know, massive mess this time. But I'm going to say this, all right? That for those of you who are, um, don't believe this, that are like, man, this is, uh, that's cool. But when you see stuff go on, remember today. For those of you who are like amping for it to happen, calm the heck down. Relax. There's a harvest There's people to win for Jesus Christ, and some of them are people you don't like. So what are we to do? We are, number one, to stay alert. Jesus said that. We're to watch and pray. In other words, the two go together. You're watching world events, but you're praying. God, 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 you've got to help. God, you've got to actually, you've got to intervene here. How can you say that if God planned it? No, you don't understand God's ways. I don't think innocent lives, innocent babies, innocent, there is nothing that pleases the heart of God. There is nothing in that. So believers have a role to play, to pray. Pray angels are released. If this is not the trigger of Christ's return, flipping, I'm saying that a lot these days, aren't I? I'm quite, I'm getting quite excited. Then please pray. Number two, be sober, be sober-minded. If you are drunk off the fumes of self, and if you are drunk off the fumes of the world, sober up, people. You are accountable for the life you live, and if you are not living it in a right way, get right. Repent. Repent means change your mind and receive the gift. You cannot repent and do it right yourself. You cannot repent and do earn your righteousness. We, we've been preaching for decades now. We are saved by grace, the gift of God, through putting our faith in that gift in Jesus Christ. So sober up. If you're not living right with Christ, you shouldn't even be operating a vehicle. <laughs> like, I used to grow, I grew up, you know, what if tonight you're hit by a bus? I was thinking the bus schedule in Nelson's so lo- like terrible <laughs> gaps. It's very unlikely. If you lived in Auckland or Wellington, more likely, you know. This is not a... The council have not put on a good schedule for that probability. But I tell you right now, life is fragile. Life is fragile. So sober up and realize. Thirdly, you are instructed in Psalm 122 verse 6 to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Why if it's all going up in flames? Well, because we are to pray, because if it's not meant to go up in flames right now, (laughs) remember, I don't even know biblically whether actually that's the end story anyway. We do know that there is going to be one heck of a big battle at the end, and so the Bible has prophesied that. By the way, the Bible is a book of living prophecies. 
most of which have been fulfilled, depending on your theology, apart from the return of Christ. But, but, and that's what sets the Bible apart and causes you to know God is true. Because this is not a um, weird just set of teachings with no actual proofs. The prophecies are proofs. But it says you will, you will see them surrounded. And what does the end of the Scripture say? But our redemption is near. It's, it's right here. The one we've been waiting for all this time. So then, so what? Well, the so what is actually more even about than Israel. It's about the future of the world and how different it's going to look. All of this is like birthing pains. Jesus said in Matthew 24. So whenever you see it, I want you to think if you've ever known a person who's given birth to babies. We had kids. The birthing pains were awful. And I think Rebecca felt them as well. I, I want you to just listen. I'm about to finish the message with some really important things, okay? Really important. Rebecca's birthing pains, listen, were proportionately short compared to the joy of what was about to be born. The birthing pains have been 2,000 years long. What the heck is about to be born? I'll tell you, I'm going to show you. Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven. This is Jesus speaking. And a new earth. Yes, everybody. This is going to be the end of it all. We're going to get a new heaven and a new earth. And the old heaven and the old earth have disappeared like, and the sea was also gone. And then I saw the holy city, a new, not exactly the same as, a new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven. And the picture, the image is like a bride that walks into a building about to meet her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home. He's now among His people and He will live with them and they will be His people. God Himself will be with them and He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death, yay. No more sorrow, yay. No more crying. So the notebook's not gonna be played in heaven, everybody. Or pain. All of these things are gone forever. This is the new world, Israel and the future of the world. And the one sitting on the throne, look, I am making everything new. Some of you would have had a foretaste of that because He came and made our hearts new at salvation. It was always going to be a foretaste of a greater making new. So every tree, every rock, every stone, everything, every animal. I, I know I've not backed this up with my preaching in the past, but maybe even the cats, you know, maybe even those cats get saved. Who knows? He says, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. He said, it is finished the second time he said that I am the Alpha and Omega the beginning and the end to all who are thirsty I'm going to give you drink freely from the springs of water of life you're just going to be fed life and life and life and all who are victorious will inherit these blessings and I will be their God and they're going to be my kids that's our future hope it is more real than the air you can breathe and with all of this here are the ironic invitations. One, we are meant to understand the times even though we don't. And just, you've got to live in that tension. I want to say this, do not get weird. Jesus never gave permission to us in any of those verses 
to go doomsday on it and it bears no fruit in your life or in your ministry. Two, we are meant to live with the expectation of this future hope. So if you're just like stuck in retirement and wondering if the best is behind you, that's heresy. The best is yet to come for you. And I'm not, and I'm not talking about an upgrade in the car. And I'm not talking about going full EV when you were just a hybrid. I'm not talking about the batch you finally wanted. The best is ahead of you, that future hope I read for you. Paul said, ecstasies and intimacies will be with our God. It was so powerful in the third heaven that God told him not to even utter any more about it. It was so radical. So all the 17 year olds who were like me, that were afraid Jesus was gonna come back before you got to have sex, because I, I made a pledge that I was gonna have sex when I got married and I did, fair bit of it. But anyway, the point, sorry, the point is, that's just, that's just education on the issue. Five times. Listen. <laughs> okay, sorry. I always get excited. So, so listen, 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 listen. Listen. I, 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 we were talking about it, um, Paris and Israel and I, talking about all the stuff on the way up to the lake yesterday. We went for a drive. And Paris goes, Dad, can I be honest? Sometimes I think, oh, Will I miss out on having a family if he comes? But I really want him to come back. And will I miss out on getting married? And will I miss out on the things that are dreams in my heart? If, but I really want him to come back. And, I, and I'm like, I 100% get that. I felt that way as well. But I want to say to every um, teenager and every young adult, as soon as he comes back, it's going to be like a trillion wedding days, a gazillion babies in your arms a, a, a billion trophies from the things that you achieved you will not want to look back even one iota for what he is about to usher in is like a different kind of humanity and living it is a different kind of existence so all the young people fear not fear not yeah. and it's really true it's really going to happen three we're explicitly told not to be afraid, but actually the complete opposite. Luke 18, 8. However, when the Son of Man comes, will He find faith on the earth? <laughs> we don't look to what's happening in Israel right now and start to pack up a tent and head for the hills. Brent talked last week about living in a faith that can see now results and soon. And I think it was very prophetic he preached that. Because Jesus is wanting every believer during these times to be so strong in faith. Why? Because 2 Thessalonians says that God wants to give you power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. Then the name of the Lord Jesus will be honored. Hey everyone, if time's drawing near, and, and it is anyway because we've all got to face death. So whether it's us dying or Jesus coming back, you renewing your mind in this realm is going to help you live so strong. You're going to be like, I'm leaving this thing all out on the park. I'm going all out for Jesus Christ. And where does faith come from? God's Word. And, and I'll tell you right now, Pierce Morgan does not have the, Elon Musk, Joe Rogan, they do not have the upper hand on this stuff. Go to the Word of God. The Word of God is where you will get faith from. It'll ignite your soul and you will move mountains and you will see people come to know, man, I went into Mobile the other day. Won't tell you where, but it rhymes with Stoke. 
And I went in and I went to vacuum my car and I went to get a token. What's the point in these flipping tokens? But anyway, walk in and I see the guy there and I had that still small voice in my spirit go um, talk to this guy. I was like, I've got to vacuum the car, Lord. It's really important. How you doing? Um, how are you? He goes, oh, I haven't been that well, actually. He told me that he had um, a terrible, terrible case of cellulitis and had to be hospitalised and he nearly died and he still wasn't well. And I felt that small voice say, well, you know what to do because I told you a couple of weeks ago, you have a ministry. I have my main gig, pastoring and ministering, and, but I have a sideline thing under the surface bubbling away called a ministry. And even when I'm not doing my office hours of work, I've still got a ministry just like you do. Ephesians 4 tells you it's true. So I go and vacuum my car. How much faith did I have? Sucky faith. Sorry, it's a dad joke. While I'm vacuuming the car, I just feel the Spirit of God prompting me. Hey, go back in, talk to him, pray for him. So I vacuum it and I'm looking for my opportune time. Walk in and I walk in and no one's there. So good. I say, hey, I said the weirdest thing. I've been thinking about your leg. And it's like really odd thing to say. I said, you know, it makes me feel sad that you'd be unwell. This was my question. Has anyone ever offered to pray for you? Now, I, I put the guy's age at about 58, 59. It's quite specific now that I say that. Very specific. And you know, his answer shocks me to the core. He's lived for more than half a century and he told me, no, no one has ever offered to pray for me. He lives up the road, guys. No one in his entire life. So I go, can I pray for you? I believe God heals. He goes, okay. So I walk behind the counter of mobile. I, as soon as he said yes, this shock of adrenaline went through my body and I thought, it's now or never, I'm doing this thing, game on. So I just walk behind the counter, he didn't ever have time to move, put my hand on his shoulder and I say, Father, in the name of Jesus, your word says that you are a God who heals. Heal, knew his name, I asked him his name. Right now, the top of his head to the tip of his toe, I command the sickness to go and I speak long life into him. In Jesus' name, amen. I open my eyes and he's like completely, like a look of shock on his face. And I wish to tell you that I then led him to the Lord, but the door flung open and people walked in and I go, see you later. (laughs) God bless you. John 4.35 Stop saying four more months until the harvest. Wake up, look around. The fields are ripe for harvest and there is a faith to stand in, to be harvest hands. I believe the greatest days are ahead of us. I believe God is not gonna lead this world to hell in a handbasket. Jesus says everything opposite to that. There are gonna be mountains that need to be moved. There are people that need to hear the message of the gospel. There is forgiveness and love and the gift of grace. If only, and how will they know unless someone goes? And unless someone goes, how will they hear? And how will they hear if they do not open up their mouths and speak? That's what you should do with Israel. That's what you should put in your pipe and smoke it or your vape and vape it. We are here for the harvest. We are here to be His hands and feet. And one day He will come back and say, thank you very much. Come on, stand to your feet. Let's give God some praise today. Thank you, Lord. Build your life on His truth. Be full of faith. In Jesus' Name, Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. 
email us at info at annasbrook.co.nz or visit our website.